0: This was uh, a piece of music here, uh, Rachmaninoff, right? Right. Yes. was uh, a request of the newlyweds in the back. (laughs) Uh, Carolyn and Marlon, uh, it's their anniversary. (laughs) Well, I'd like you to take your Bibles out. This morning we're going to take a uh, a detour from the uh, book of Matthew. We're going to look at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. So please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. and we're just looking at uh, two verses here Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful Counsel, mighty God everlasting father Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward even forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Our Father in God as we study your word We pray that you would speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand and help us to recognize the time in which we live. Help us to understand and to recognize the urgency of sharing the message of the gospel with our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and other family members, our neighbors, friends, and others that we interact with. Lord, we thank you for the Christmas season when there's a tremendous focus upon the birth of our Savior. But Lord, there's also a tremendous focus upon commercialism, and business, and profit, materialism, greed, we pray, Father, that we recognize the true reason for the season, the Lord Jesus. And we also pray blessing upon our Jewish brothers and sisters as they celebrate the upcoming feast of dedication, Hanukkah. We know that our Lord Jesus celebrated that very special time, and day, and event, we pray, Father, for peace, recognizing that there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. So now, Lord, as we look into your holy word, we pray, speak to our hearts. to the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. For unto us, well thee, Prophetic promise of God is given to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. Just a little bit about uh, the prophet Isaiah. Who was he? Well, his ministry that we know of lasted from 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. That's about 60 years or so. And uh, to quote uh, Herman Lockyer, a theologian who wrote in his exhaustive work all the men of the bible he says Isaiah was a writer a statesman patriot who loved God and loved country a reformer like Noah a preacher of righteousness an evangelical prophet and teacher theologian who always referred to God as the Holy One of Israel with all of this preaching and all of this ministry You would think that he died with great fanfare. His ministry spanned the reigns of four different kings. And the last one was a very wicked one, who legend has ordered his death. Isaiah was placed inside of a hollowed-out tree and then sawn in two. He preached a message of judgment, repentance, and hope. He proclaimed the arrival of the Messiah as the anointed king and suffering servant. In the book of Isaiah, the Messiah's birth, his rejection, his suffering, and sacrificial death are all foretold by Isaiah the prophet. Sixty-six chapters. Sixty-six chapters. There are sixty-six books in the Bible The book of Isaiah is referred to as a a Bible in itself. Because in the first 39 chapters, there is the preaching of, of grace, the preaching and the proclamation of judgment, and yet, God's mercy and grace, the need for repentance, and God's willingness to forgive and to restore. And then in the Uh, chapters 40 through 66, the message of hope and reconciliation and a future. A blessed future, not only for Israel, but also for the Gentiles. Because in the book of Isaiah, he speaks of the Gentile nations turning to the Lord and recognizing the Messiah as their Savior. And that has come true in this day and age in which we live, and all through the last 20 centuries. And so, Isaiah, tremendous, tremendous man of God. He, uh, in his background, it's believed that he was from a, a well-to-do family, which is uh, generally not typical of the prophets that God called. Most of the prophets were, were farmers or ranchers and uh, very common. Uh, Isaiah was a very well-educated man. As a matter of fact, the book of Isaiah, in the writing of the book of Isaiah, he uses over 2,200 different Hebrew words. He was a poet, quite a writer, quite a communicator. Brother Roger was an editor and he worked in uh, Washington, D.C., he can tell you probably most of, the, uh, of the, uh, the writings that he had to edit, those people didn't use 2,200 different words. They might have used 2,000 words, but certainly not 2,200 different words. But Isaiah did, as a matter of fact, he used more words, that is different words, than any other book in, in all of the Old Testament. Quite incredible. A brilliant, a brilliant man. Blessed by the Lord. And so we've read here, Isaiah 9, 6, that his name will be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Christmas is a wonderful time of year, isn't it? It's also a very difficult time for many people because they think of Loved ones, or they think of the parents or brothers, sisters, others who are very close, who are no longer with us here on the earth. They've gone home home to be with the Lord in heaven. Or maybe there's a question whether or not certain people made it to heaven. And that creates a tremendous amount of, of sadness as well. The Lord Jesus came as a babe in Bethlehem. And we celebrate his birth. And in that celebration, we acknowledge the faithfulness of God to fulfill his promise, the promise that God made that he would send forth his son. And the scripture says that his name will be called Wonderful. And he is wonderful. He's wonderful in his love. Consider the love of the Lord. His love is an unconditional love, as Tom mentioned in his prayer. A prayer that, that our lives would reflect his love, which is unconditional. You Think about it, as Miss Barbara mentioned, this couple who went to Colombia. And you see, not all of the people in the Spanish-speaking countries speak Spanish because there are so many tribes and other indigenous people who speak other languages. <coughs> and like these people and this young couple who dedicated their lives to taking the gospel, loving people unconditionally. His name is called Wonderful because he's he's a merciful God. He's wonderful in his mercy. He extends his mercy to the entire human race, not because we deserve, deserve it, but because it is his nature to be merciful. He's wonderful in His goodness. God is good in every way and every day. Amen. God is wonderful in His goodness. He's wonderful in His forgiveness. You think of the sins that we have all committed, and not just us, but the sins of every human being that has ever lived or who will ever live he says, I forgive. I forgive. The Lord is wonderful in his forgiveness. And people say, well, you know what? I This witnessing thing and, and sharing you know, the Lord with others, I don't know what to say. Well, I would say this. If you don't know what to say, you don't know the Jesus that I know. You don't know the Jesus of the Bible, because he's wonderful in his love and mercy, goodness, kindness, and forgiveness. And he's wonderful in his generosity. God is a generous God, so generous. And he's wonderful in his genius. We can't even begin, we can't even begin Imagine everything that God knows and everything that He has done and everything that He does on a daily basis to keep everything going. Unimaginable. He's wonderful in His genius. When Jesus lay down out in the desert and looked up into the sky, He could name every star. As the Bible says, he knows the name of every star. He calls them all by name. And yesterday, talking with my granddaughter, I said, the Bible teaches that not a hair from our head falls, but that God knows about it. And think about all the hair that you have. And all the hair that everybody has. All over the world. And yet, not one hair falls from a person's head, but that God knows about it. You see, to us, how in the world is that even possible? God is wonderful in his genius. And he's certainly wonderful in his grace. Wonderful in his grace. unmerited favor, unmerited, unearned kindness. This is what the unbeliever doesn't understand, that God loves unconditionally, and that no one deserves God's grace, but because God is a generous God, He he blesses us with His grace. so that no one can boast and say, I earned my way to heaven. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You can be the most law-abiding person. You are still a sinner. And without without the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be forgiven. God's grace. But he's also called the Counselor. He's so wonderful in all those various aspects and even so much more. But he's also called the counselor. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding come from him. From him. Wisdom. Wisdom to know his word, to understand his word, to live his word. Knowledge. And understanding all come from him he is the wisdom of God and he came and he shared that wisdom and how wonderful we get to read it and study it and learn of him through his word mighty God mighty God now notice that the prophet Isaiah under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit refers to the Messiah as mighty God there are so many people who take issue with the idea that Jesus is God the Son that is who he is and that is who he claimed to be and that is who he demonstrated himself to be by the very works he said of himself Even if you don't believe the word, believe for the sake of the works. You see the works that he did? Those works are, are outlined by the prophet Isaiah. All of the things that Christ would do are outlined by Isaiah, the prophet. And Jesus fulfilled those. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the apostles quoted from the book of Isaiah more than any other book. Jesus demonstrated with power and authority and the people when they heard him speak said oh he doesn't teach us like the other teachers do but he speaks with authority sovereignty he is mighty god over all creation all creation and the bible says God the Father has given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus everything both in heaven on the earth under the earth shall bow and give glory to him shall proclaim his name the Blessed Son of God to the glory of God the Father he's called the everlasting father that is he is the father of eternity He is eternal. He is one with the Father. You'll recall over in the 14th chapter in the book of John, he spoke to the disciples about going away and then coming back. And then about the Father. And and Thomas said, Well, you know, show us the Father. And what did Jesus say? He said, I and the Father are one. He is one with the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The triune God, who has revealed himself in three distinct persons, yet they are one. He is called the Ancient of Days. As a matter of fact, in the proclamation that when the Messiah will come, he is the Ancient of Days. That is a term that is used for God and God alone. And then Jesus referred to himself as the I Am. Referring back to when God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses said, when I go back, they're going to ask me what your name is. Who who should I tell them has sent me? What's your name? God said of himself, I am that I am. Or in other words, the eternally present one. God is. He has always been. He shall always be. He is the eternal God, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the shalom of heaven and earth. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. But remember, Jesus characterized that peace. He said, not the kind of peace that the world talks about. No. It's a peace of fulfillment, a peace of contentment, a peace of encouragement, a peace of strength, It is the peace or the shalom of God. It is the blessing of God upon one's life that the world cannot give. That peace that surpasses all human understanding. And then notice it says that the Messiah's reign is an everlasting reign. That is coming. And on Wednesday nights, we're, we're studying now the fifth of the important doctrines within scripture and that fifth one is Jesus is coming he's going to return he is coming back and he is going to establish his kingdom upon this earth and his throne will not be in Washington DC it will be at the capital of the earth Jerusalem the capital of Israel The Messiah's reign is everlasting. Continual increase. Notice it says that his, his kingdom will continually increase. And his kingdom has been increasing through the centuries, has it not? More and more and more people are coming to know him as Lord and Savior. And you might find it surprising to know that in this age, more and more and more of our Jewish brothers and sisters are coming to know Christ. As they say, true and lasting peace. And we've spoken about peace. The heavenly, the heavenly Shalom. Jesus is coming. His birth was a fulfillment of God's promise. At His second coming and the establishment of His kingdom will be the fulfillment of the promise that God made specifically to David the king when he said that his offspring, you see, because Jesus' lineage goes back to David, and of course to Abraham and all all the way back, But a specific promise was made to David that his offspring would be on the throne for eternity. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And then notice it says that He'll order his kingdom. The divine order throughout his kingdom, God's standards, will be implemented and obeyed. And righteous judgment and true justice, all this talk about justice, etc., etc., here, uh, not only in our country but in other countries, it's a false. Absolutely false. As a matter of fact, I share some information with you that you'll probably find right, or often find rather distressing. All this talk about the climate change. Right? Well, the climate has been changing forever. It's nothing new. But you probably didn't know that professors in the universities, and I'm talking about MIT, just from MIT on the East Coast all the way to Stanford on the West. If they take a stand and actually give you the truth, they'll lose their funding and they lose their position. Because many of them have come out. I listened to an MIT professor yesterday who said all of this talk about climate change and the way that the the government and others and the media are using this to instill fear within the population is disingenuous And dishonest. The fact is is that the climate has been changing from the beginning of time and then he shared some information and he said that many of the leaders of the countries and those who are part of the United Nations and are a part of the climate change group Sadly, some religious leaders met a few months ago. They met, of all places, on Mount Sinai in Arabia. And this is what they did. They came up with their own ten commandments. And if that wasn't bad enough, they, they formulated what they call a Third Covenant. The Ten Commandments that they came up with basically are like this. We repent from the sins that we've committed against Mother Earth. You got that? And then they go through there, this whole thing, and they, they, you know, I will not do this, and I will not do this, and so, all having to do with Mother Earth. And then this covenant is a covenant that they entered into to be responsible that their religion, and sadly, sadly, there were some so-called Christian pastors, and I was really surprised by this, a well-known Jewish rabbi But I believe he's from the Reconstructionist branch of Judaism, which is not recognized in Israel, because it's very progressive, also participated in this. A covenant with Mother Earth. That is nothing short of Satanism. This MIT professor went on to say, that what they're doing is that they're using this idea, this false idea of, of climate change to instill fear and as a means whereby the World Health Organization and other organizations will become dictator of the world and of the human race and control what you say, what you do, and what you think. I'm not making this stuff up. I am not making this up, this is real. This is nothing less, or short, of worldwide satanic movement. Because remember that Satan's desire is to destroy the church, to destroy the kingdom of God. And the Bible teaches that governments although established by God for the the order and the preservation of the human race, are yet to give it over to the evil one. And Christians ought to know what is going on in the world in which they live. If God, the Holy Spirit, lives within your life, you ought to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. Here's something else. They want you to stop eating meat, right? This crazy um, representative from New York, this young lady, right? wants to do away with all of the cows because of the gases that they right? put into the air. And the CO2 and all this other stuff. This MIT professor said, do you know what the f- actual facts are? that all of the pollution that the human race has created is less than half of 1%. Less than half of 1%, all this nonsense. Did you know that we give 80% of our plastics we send over to China? Did you know that? For them to recycle. But do you know what they do? They only recycle 20% of it. The other 60% they throw into the ocean. You know that big uh, plastic island out there? That's not America's doing. They want you to believe it. No, that's China's doing. You see, but most people don't know that because they have the wool pulled over their eyes. And what is going on in Washington and across this country? They want to do away with marriage. They just passed, our Congress just passed what they call the Respect of Marriage Act. No, it is the Disrespect of Marriage Act and its blasphemous. This idea, they want you, they want us to recognize a transgender or or, uh, 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 same-sex marriage as equal. It's not even a marriage, really. It's a union, yes, but it's not a marriage. Not see, God defines marriage, not the government. God defines marriage, not the government. And here we look at righteous judgment and true justice. Has nothing at all what to do with justice. It has to do with immorality and outright wickedness. And if you, as a Christian, support that, I don't know that you're a Christian. Because if you can support something like that, that is contrary to God's Holy Word, then somehow the Spirit of God does not live within you. And just in case you didn't know this, I was not called to pastor a church to make people happy. I was called to preach and to pastor to proclaim God's truth and to preach God's word and to do so accurately and to call sin what it is sin, wickedness, and evil and to proclaim the grace of God the forgiveness of God the righteousness of God that is what my responsibility is (laughs) to call sin what it is and Christians need to stand up. We shared this morning that uh, the Episcopalian Church has lost some 60,000 members since their particular denomination has come out in support of gay marriage and all this other wickedness. And if, if that doesn't turn your stomach, here's something else, because this, I believe, it was in the, the Anglican Church that some guy who calls himself a preacher stood up preached a message describing Jesus as a transgender person. And they even put up a, a, a painting of that. Do you see how wicked these people have become? And here's the, here's the most tragic part. Across our country, Christians are going through their life with their eyes closed. The sensitivity to the spirit, dull. And they vote these people into office. As Cheryl can tell you, and maybe Eden too, and even Miss Carol, that more than 20 years ago I preached messages and say they're going, they're not going to stop until They make it legal for homosexuality and lesbianism and all these things until they make it legal for these people to be married. And they won't stop there because they never stop. They never stop. And then people like me, they say that I'm a mental case. That I'm a racist. That I'm a homophobe and all these other things. And a dinosaur. Okay? Out of touch. Well, I tell you, I would rather be touched by God (laughs) and proclaim the truth. Now, here's the other thing. They're working. They're working to make it illegal for pastors such as myself to proclaim messages like this. That's what they're working toward. Now, as Christians, we ought to be praying that that doesn't happen. But it's already happened in certain countries. You know that it's already happened to the country or in the country to our north. Yes, yeah, so and they've They've even gone so far as to rewrite the Bible. You see, no longer referring to God as He, a a non you know non gender, you follow? But stop and consider: Christians vote these people into office, or as Rob said this morning, well, people who call themselves Christians but may not necessarily be so. Well, His kingdom is designed and established and maintained forever. God is going to establish His kingdom. And guess what? When Jesus comes, and people have a hard time with this one. When Jesus establishes His kingdom, it's a dictatorship. It will no longer be it will no longer be a kingdom of grace, so to speak, although God always operates on grace. You see, because those at the end of that millennial kingdom who come up to try to destroy Israel, the Bible says that fire will fall from heaven and will devour them. And here's something else about that uh, the meat I mentioned about the cows and all that, and they want you to right? Over in uh, the, the writings of Timothy, it says, Know this that in the latter times they'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from eating meat. Did you know that? It's in there. I didn't write it. It's in there. Guaranteed. This idea that you should be, God gave us meat to eat. Well, what do we learn from this passage? Jesus is the Christ, Messiah, the Son of Almighty God. He is our blessed hope. He's wonderful beyond all measure, worthy of our love, devotion, and praise. Jesus is the fountain of all blessing, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. Jesus is the Ancient of Days, God the Son. He is the glory of the Father and the Savior of humanity. He's the sovereign king. There is no other. There is no other. He is the Prince of Shalom. And without Him, there is no peace. One must have a personal relationship with Him. And a nation must have a a personal relationship with Him. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Lord, I'm coming home. Home is found in the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You come as we sing. and stand and please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word.